0: Welcome to the second episode of Unframed, a podcast which hosts conversations about the contemporary arts in South Africa. I am your host, Anthea Pokroy, and today's episode is something slightly different from the first one. It is a recorded artist talk by Ruby onyenechi Amanze, which took place at the Goodman Gallery on 22nd of May, 2018. Ruby, who is a Nigerian-born, US-based artist, was over in South Africa for her solo exhibition at Goodman Gallery in Cape Town and gave a talk up in Joburg about her exhibition and studio practice in general. When I first decided to do this podcast, the primary format that I had in mind was the interview between myself and an invited guest. But then I realized that there were so many exciting conversations already happening in the city, So much content being generated at artist talks, walkabouts, and informal dialogues. I wanted to record and create an archive of these already existing conversations and give them a platform for more people to listen to. So this is the first of this kind in the podcast series, and they will feature randomly in the future. In this episode, Ruby talks about drawing, space, and how she navigates the questions and challenges within her studio practice. I was struck by her utter comfort of being in this very generative space of not knowing. In my show notes, I have included a link to her presentation from the talk for those who would like to see what she is talking about whilst listening. Enjoy! Good evening, everyone,
1: and welcome to Ruby Anjalietschia Manze's Artist Talk. Um, It's a great honor for me to be here with you and to introduce Ruby, whose solo exhibition, There Are Even Moonbeams We Can Unfold, opened at Goodman Gallery, Cape, on Saturday. Ruby is a visual artist whose practice is primarily centered around drawing and works on paper. In non-linear and fluid narratives, her large-scale drawings explore space, play, magic, and hybridity. Most recently, Ruby completed two year-long residencies at Queen's Museum and as part of the Drawing Center's Open Sessions Program. She has exhibited her work at the California African American Museum, the Drawing Center, and the Studio Museum in Harlem. Ruby earned her BFA summa cum laude from the Tyler School of Art at Temple University and her MFA from the Cranbrook Academy of Art. And in 2012 to 2013, Ruby was a Fulbright scholar at the University of Nigeria. Perhaps what I am most struck by in her work is that space is the primary antagonist. A nameless, self-imagined, chimeric universe has simultaneously been positioned between nowhere and everywhere. And it is within this space that I invite you to welcome Ruby this evening.
2: everyone, thanks for being here tonight, and thanks Emma for the introduction and to Goodman Gallery for facilitating all of this. So I'm just going to jump right in. All of the images that I'll be showing are from the current exhibition, the one that just opened. So since we're here, I thought that I would focus the, the artwork on what we're not able to see. So if I um, were to summarize three sorts of main points that are recurring in my research, And in my studio practice, it would be these three. um, Space, which I will talk a lot about during this presentation. Uh, Here I've just made a few bullet points. So for space, architecture, the idea of a multiverse as opposed to a universe, um, multiple dimensions, particularly when they occupy the same plane, geometry, and also design. Um, The second one, play, which I'll talk a little less about, but um, it will be a part of the presentation. Uh, thinking about freedom and the freedom to play, who who gets to play, the privilege of play, um, magic as it relates to play, joy, and also mythology. And lastly, so I, I did rank these in order of how much attention they'll all get, um, but hybridity, uh, non-nation, what does that mean? So. On that note, thinking about borders and land and the fluidity of space as it relates to one's identity, um, and identity as an invention, and how that can be a fluid thing. Empty swimming pools feel like houses, brickless and unfixed. Calmly potent, we have and we hold. Lungs like canopies, arms like wings, all the same. Our mundane freedoms play in the expanse. Audrey tells stories while we collapse worlds of generators and birds, neon hearts and uneventful joy. Rooftop balconies lined with fake grass. Or remember that day you went diving while remaining completely still? The invention is always more reliable than keeping time. The ghosts became form and forgot the journey of their birth. I can still love her, Ada, and not need her. But the paper will hold us all together like a pink folded rhombus. Nothing is broken, nothing is lost." Uh, i played that short piece of a, a video that's presented in the show um, because water is an ongoing theme for me in the drawings. Alongside that, in these two pieces, looking at land, which we can commonly identify as a uh, is a common identifier of place something that we all relate to quite easily and in complicated ways um, something that can be quantified and can be delineated and can be contained essentially on the flip side of that thinking about air also as location also as an expanse of space perhaps less easy to be contained but how those two spaces, those two pieces of geography and earth, land and air, what's the meeting point between them? And what's the inversion of them? Can they be inverted? Can I think about land in the drawing world as air? Can I think about air as land? Can I think about either one as water? Can all of these different elements essentially swap places? But for me, no one of them is any less an identifier of place than the other one. So another, as these while well, these are up, these are quite small drawings, so about this sort of scale, um, which for me is, as you may know, or if not, you'll see in the next images coming up, that my drawings are really quite large. On the largest side, about four and a half meters. So for me to go from that sort of expanse where I'm physically, I have a very different physical relationship to the drawings, to this scale, um, it's a bit of a mind trip. Thinking about space is quite different when you start shifting scales, obviously. <laughs> so, f- for me, that challenge of how to capture and manipulate something that is an expanse within a very tiny plane. And this is the installation shot for the video that you just saw. So, the grass element above that can become a ceiling, and thinking about inversion. And the video, which is difficult to see, um, has birds and motorcycles. So space, I will probably say that word a hundred times in the next 30 minutes. Um, That really is, in many ways, the core investigation for the work. Um, Above the characters, above the colors, above drawing itself, which is my my love in, in terms of art making, um, it's really it really all comes down to space. And how can I shift it? Um, how can I play with it? How can I invert it? How can I take two, three, four spaces and collide them together within a piece of paper? Um, and how can I even, because I work on paper, which is flat, how can I start with this flat two-dimensional plane and give it dimension. Give it the illusion of dimension or give it physical dimension. The nuance of space, the difference between two millimeters and six millimeters is enormous, especially in certain fields like design and architecture. Um, But also for me, making drawings on paper, all of those things, the lines, the angles count for so much. Um, Space ultimately for me is something that can be manipulated and controlled. So, just some reference images um, that I pulled from my digital, I guess, archive of images. One large body of that would be architectural drawings. At one point after, when I finished my MFA, I wanted to, well, thought briefly about returning to school to do architecture, Um, but I've always had a love for architecture, particularly architectural drawings. I just find them to be really beautiful. All of these. Examples, architectural drawings, thinking for architects, and I'm not an architect at all, but a lover of architecture and that practice and that language, and for me thinking or imagining that for an architect, the goal is to translate space, to actualize space, and to interrupt space. And those things go between the three-dimensional physical world and also the two-dimensional digital or analog plane. And there's also something that I'm drawn to in architecture that's not just on the one hand extremely mathematical, engineering-based, working with physics, all of those very fixed ideas, but on the other hand there's something really poetic about architecture and about um, that profession of playing with space. Alongside that thinking about geometry as the two-dimensional interpretation of space. So recently, for me, the drawings have challenged me to take the two-dimensional plane and to push it out into the viewer space. Um, So this is one example of that. The piece is called Bird Dance Number 1. Birds are a recurring motif in the drawings for me because of their relationship to the sky that I mentioned, but also thinking about um, beings that are not fixed and are able to move freely through the world, essentially. Uh, So this piece starts to, you can see in this not super clear image, but on the left, um, two planes that have met and are coming out into the the viewer space. And how many, now with that simple collision of two planes, there's a space behind the left, there's a space behind the right, there are all these other spaces that are created. And within the, this is a print, within the the drawing, I still call everything that I do a drawing. Um there are multiple planes and dimensions that are shifting back and forth. So that within flat space and that within three-dimensional. Another version of that idea of pulling, pushing the drawings out into physical space is this piece here. Um, you can see on the left side it's going into the wall a little closer than the right side. So this drawing here is on paper and then mounted onto a structure that was custom built for it, and a lot of these investigations um, with drawings that start to shift from from this sort of context is a collaboration with other people. So whether it is architects who I'm fortunate to have close closely in my circle, or design students that I might work with, or um, construction, renovators, sitting down at a table with a piece of paper and brainstorming together the different ways that we can take a piece of paper and give it weight. These two examples here um, that function as a diptych. So the one on the left, the paper has been mounted or backed, I should say with plaster, like the roll strips of plaster, that give it some weight, not so much that it becomes a a solid object, but enough that it can hold itself uh, a little more than the paper by itself. And the paper that I'm working with is quite heavy. Um, Paper people, it's about 250, 300 grams, 100% cotton, so it has a lot of weight to it already. But then to add another material that will stiffen it, and allow it to bend and take form in a different way is one, something that I'm exploring with the image on the left. So set within a deep shadow box that allows the drawing to sit on a curve. And the one on the right, um, similar to the bird one that you previously saw, has been mounted onto a structure where one side protrudes from the wall much further than the other side and in the one on the right thinking, exploring up with materials, um, so in this case, coating the surface with resin that will give it its sheen and make it, I never really want to take away the paperness, but just to give it another surface, um, and how surface as well can inform our understanding of dimension, something that's highly reflective How does that alter the way that we feel we can either enter it or not? Um, So these three, these are three questions essentially that I have and have had um, in my studio practice. These are ongoing challenges. Um, And that's something that's very important for me in the work, to keep asking questions, even if it were to be one question. You could spend your entire life breaking apart one question. Um, And that for me keeps it, I never want to go to the studio and feel as if I have the answers and know what it is that I'm doing. The the idea of being in that space, on the one hand, I've I've loved drawing my whole life and have been drawing since I was very young, but in relationship to the amount of time, hopefully, that I have left to draw, It's not that much. Um, So I can't say that I, though I have muscle memory and there's some aspects of drawing that are really familiar to me and perhaps easy, um, there's another side of it that's a constant challenge. Um, Sometimes as many faces as I've drawn, I can sit down and try to draw a phrase of a friend that I see and have known for 15 years, and I can't get that face on the paper in the way that I want it to be there. I might have to, and that's just on some random days, other days are different. But having that tension of not knowing, I never know what a drawing will look like when I start it. Um, Sometimes it feels as if I have forgotten how to draw, and then these questions that I'll, I'll briefly go through that stay very present on my mind and feel as if they can occupy the next 10, 15, maybe even my whole life. So the first one, the quest to to create drawings that self-sustain their magnitude, Um, very committed to paper and working with paper. I'm coming from a textiles background, so I think it's perhaps connected to my love of fabric and weaving and those processes where things have been embedded into into a surface. Um, So paper holding, paper holding itself with an armature or with minimal, I'm sorry, without armature or with minimal and non-object forward armatures. The second one, drawings that are simultaneously weightless and that I'm thinking in relationship to their material quality using graphite that can just be smudged and erased, there's no weight to it. Um, The expanse of the paper itself, as you can see there's a lot of white paper space left. So weightless in, in those ways, but at the same time that they can hold three-dimensional weight. And the last one, drawings that borrow external language, so the language of object, the language of installation, sculpture, textiles, but ultimately reside in the canon of drawings. At the end of the day, if I'm leaving a legacy as an artist, I, want, I do want for it to be within the conversation of drawing, even if it takes three-dimensional form. So a few examples of early attempts to try out those questions and to see for any of them, there are an infinite number of solutions um, and that's part of the fun in it. Uh, so for now, this is one resolution to a drawing that can hold itself with minimal, archi- minimal armature. Um, maybe, well not maybe, in a few, as I continue to draw and play with this idea, this form I'm sure will evolve. But this is one version of that idea. So a drawing that hangs in space that you can walk around um, and that engages with now taking drawings off the wall and engaging with the floor, engaging with the ceiling, etc. Another solution for the moment um, for a drawing that is, starts to take take form. So this one. The first versions of that were always done on a smaller scale. So now thinking about how to translate some of those investigations onto with the larger drawings. So this one is wall dependent, but you can see on the left side um, an armature has been built for it that will allow it to wing off of the wall and enter the the room. Um, and with this one, it, that's not so much the the challenge that I was working with, but when, when it is necessary for me for a drawing to be presented on the wall in more of a traditional format, now we're we thinking what that means. What does it mean to use the wall and to hang a drawing on the wall, which is its, for the most part, most traditional presentation. Um, what are the different ways that I can do that? So in some earlier drawings, that was with the larger ones using magnets as placeholders, but now thinking about um, holes in the paper in different way, thinking about the paper folding and coming still being on the wall, but now not not needing to be so flush against the wall mm-hmm. thinking about different types of framing um, that just allow allow the wall to be a little more intentional i should I guess I could say and have more of a relationship to the drawing itself so I don't want to use the wall as a crutch and as the only place that the drawing can go. So I've mixed in the, the reference images with the drawings. so I'll be going back and forth. But these are two um, images of divers mid-dive, before-dive, um, but just going back to the, the love and the research around water and places that hold water, whether they are natural or man-made, um, and that idea of inversion. So here they haven't entered the water yet, but the inversion of a diver as someone who's flying or someone who is running as someone who is also flying. Those action-based things related to the body, because the characters are bodies that do and perform actions within the drawings, often come from this space of um, some sort of athleticism, gymnastics, etc., and those things as being in-betweens of those actions crossing elements. So, I'm, as a, I identify as an athlete, my sport is running, long distance running, um, but moments in running where you feel like you're flying, I don't know if there are some runners in the room who can relate to that. Uh, I love being in the water and being submersed by water. I'm not a swimmer, I'm not a good swimmer, um, but maybe there's swimming equivalent to that feeling or diving equivalent to that, the, the moments in, in sports and in physicality where these barriers of land and air and water really do get blurry. And I'm interested in that moment, those moments. This figure here that's floating, kind of. Um, and also with the pools, thinking about them as architectural spaces. Um, containers that are inhabited in some way. So there, are, I have an obscene amount of images of swimming pools um, that I've collected on my computer or printed out and put on my studio walls. But that's an ongoing, I guess, kind of an obsession. Like different shaped swimming pools and empty swimming pools and them as spaces that you can enter into and again as a non swimmer (laughs) so here are some examples of that Um, back to some of the drawings from the from the show this is one of the large ones 1.8 by 3.5 meters and this one was dependent on the wall um, but like I mentioned thinking now a little bit more intentionally about how a drawing sits on the wall um, and is it okay, in, in this case, for it to sit on the wall and to hit the floor? Um, so hanging things at perhaps awkward heights, hanging things, um, drawings that call for grommets versus drawings that call for pins versus drawings that call for magnets, and really trying to be intentional in those choices. And also uh, with this piece, and connecting them back to the swimming pools as as architecture on the one hand, but also... Unless you're a professional swimmer and it's your job, for most people, the relationship to the pool is one of play. And that's a space that when people are in the pool, there's a, a lightheartedness and a playfulness in that, in that space, in that environment, usually. Um, and that, as mentioned, is one of the recurring themes within the work, play. And having the figures, which I'm now much less keen on discussing their origins or thinking about them as um, by name and character and identity and more as shapes essentially because they are, they're flat, uh, they're form, um, but more their relationship to each other. And the way that I've been thinking about that connected to play, if we think about ourselves, everyone in this room at some point was born and has a narrative around their birth Um, and grew up childhood, toddler, teenage, moved around, did whatever it was that you did, and came to this particular moment where you can identify yourself as whatever it is you identify yourself. And in meeting and interacting with other people, I would bet that very rarely do you tell the story of your birth Um, and feel so strongly connected to how that informs who you are in this moment. And I feel similarly with the characters. They have origin stories. I could tell you all about their origin stories, but they've kind of grown up a little bit, and that's much less important when looking at them. I look at Audrey the Leopard, and I see Audrey the Leopard in this moment. Um, But what's important now about them is how they relate to each other, which more often than not, is coming from some sort of play, some sort of ease, some form of contentment, essentially, in where they are in space um, and who they're with. And I think and hope that 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 relationship between them is is evident. In the last set of uh, reference images that I've included, uh, all centered around dance, As just like I'm obsessed with swimming pools, I'm also obsessed with dance. As a non-dancer, well, I am a dancer, but as a non-trained dancer, uh, I I find the the language that choreographers (coughs) play with to be really well. I think if I'm thinking about creative geniuses and different genres and categories of them. I would bet that choreographers are largely in that. Many really great ones are perhaps geniuses. Um, I think that there's something really beautiful and challenging, I'm sure, about having a three-dimensional space, a stage or a room that people will perform in, having X number of objects, bodies to move around and figuring out some way that they'll all interact with each other seamlessly, poetically, um, while in many instances doing really difficult feats, but there's something about that balance that they're able to achieve that I envy, I guess, working as a visual artist in a two-dimensional plane. So whenever I have the opportunity to attend dances or to I read a lot and collect a lot of books by choreographers, I'm just very interested in in, in finding the alignment in the language between drawing and within some of these more spatial practices like architecture and dance. And these are two separate images. Um, But balance is, is something that I play with and think a lot about in the drawings and not a balance in the way that is easy and symmetrical or comfortable, but Quite the opposite, like taking things to the edge and pushing and pulling um, objects in space, but in a way that still, at the end of the day, can maintain some amount of cohesion and some amount of, yeah, balance. And like my love of architecture, similarly, when looking at these images, I'm I'm thinking a lot about that line between something that is precise. And calculated and there are certainly areas of my drawing and my practice that are that Um, sometimes lines that I make have to be a very particular angle and that's important and other times something might spill on the drawing and that's okay too so going back and forth between being calculated and also being spontaneous and there's something in the dance in these particular um, stills that uh, hold that for me, and especially when I'm seeing a dancing person. Um, another large image from, from the show, and here, with the it's a bit difficult to see, but in thinking about planes and dimensions, the simple shift of what it is to have two pieces of paper that make up the drawing, where you're able to see that there are two pieces of paper and only see what's on top of those but how that perhaps creates a suggestion of another plane. Something underneath that's happened, something underneath that's not visible. So that's happening in this piece here. And also just playing with the frame, as I mentioned, and a frame that is cut on an an angle. Um, A frame, there's another, the other large drawing that I showed you that was coming off the wall could perhaps be framed, in which case it would have, I think, six sides to it as opposed to the four. So just non-traditional framing um, decisions and simple things like shifting the amount of sheets of paper that make up a whole. An example of another body that's perhaps flying, perhaps dancing, perhaps swimming. And lastly, I'll end on with this image which might seem a little bit. perhaps but this is another um, image from that I've collected um, and I put it here and put it here as the ending image because I'm talking mostly about space and about play this image for me is in the play category Um, there's something about and I'm sure many of you are familiar with this image is photographer Malik Sabube And this image taken at a time and presented at a time where African people, images of African people that had been disseminated, very rarely showed this amount of happiness, in short, um, joy, that they are, and of course, don't know what happened before this moment, don't know what happened after this moment, but in this particular moment, there's something about them being able to occupy space freely and playfully um, and what that what that means as an image and an image that that gets out beyond beyond the moment um, I think sometimes there's a lot of expectation for artists for anyone that has been given any sort of platform to have a political agenda of sorts this hold that expectation to you when you're an artist or performer or you know many different people who have been faced with that um, and it's something that on the one hand I think everybody has their, their politics I'll just say that but for me personally in the work um, it could be seen that I'm or interpreted that I'm shying away from that or even running away from that but this image for me is if I were to if I were to be forced to make a political statement it is one of the power and the politics around being able to play, being able to occupy space from this perspective, and what that means in the larger context of politics and change and revolution, etc. cetera. Um, so I will end there, and thank you all for coming, and we'll take any questions, I guess, at this point. Thank you.
0: Thanks to everyone for listening today. If you know of an inspiring and interesting talk happening soon, please be in touch. I would love to record and include it in the Unframed podcast series. See you next time. Bye.